Welcome to the Black Duck Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Wilkins. I'm excited to have you join me as I speak with a fascinating collection of folks, all of whom have in common that they've made a way for themselves by finding an intersection between thoughtful consideration and the tactile work of getting their hands dirty. This is an examination of intention, capability, and craft. It's where philosophy meets the blue-collar work ethic and where I find real value. Welcome back to the Black Duck Revival podcast. This week, I am so happy and I feel so privileged uh, to be able to introduce you to a really phenomenal uh, songwriter and artist and human being by the name of Kevin Kirby. Kirby is like a Little Rock institution. You know, for my money, he he kind of set the bar as far as songwriting, you know, specifically lyricism in this town, in this state, in this part of the country. Like I, I really do think he's one of the absolute best American songsmiths, you know, of, of probably the last 50 years or so. Uh, and, and that's a really bold statement for me to make. And, I absolutely feel like it's true. I, I say in this conversation, like I put him up there with, with Towns Van Zandt, uh, you know, and he, he's got stuff in common with the guy too, man. You know, he's uh, originally from Texas. He's been in Arkansas for a long, long time. Kind of like me, came for, came for school and met a girl and, you know, that was all she wrote. But man, Kevin, when I was playing a whole bunch, when I really thought that, you know, the way I was going to make my way in the world, uh, was through writing songs and, and performing them. Kirby was always like this kind of aspirational figure. Uh, as far as how clever he is, just in normal conversation, as well as in songwriting, uh, just like innately intelligent he is. His, his ability to kind of command a crowd just with his presence. Uh, I mean, this dude is... Um, he, he really, in so many ways, he's like everything I ever wanted to be as far uh, as a musician and an artist uh, and a storyteller, right? So uh, it, it's just, it's such a privilege for me uh, to get to have like a long form conversation with him. Uh, I mean, I used to play shows with this guy back in the day. Uh, he actually performed the uh, ceremony. He, he married Marianne and I. Uh, and then, you know, just stuff happens and you get busy and I haven't really seen him or talked to him uh, other than just like a, a quick hello or something in probably five years or so. So this was this was just such a, a real pleasure for me to get to sit down one evening uh, in this butcher shop and have this uh, have this really awesome long form conversation with someone who I think incredibly highly of and who I admire so much. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation with my friend, Kevin Kirby. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Black Duck Revival podcast. Uh, I don't know if it's going to translate on these microphones, but you might hear kind of like a motorized hum in the background and that's because we are recording this interview in a butcher shop uh here at hillcrest artisan meats 
in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I have the pleasure of being joined by one Kevin Kirby. Uh, well, I mean, well, we can explain why we're sitting here in the butcher shop, but uh, we'll get into everything that it, it, we'll talk about Kevin. But like, I would say that I've often described you as the poet laureate of Little Rock. Yeah, that's, that's kind of it's very sweet of you. That's how I've always felt, man. Like Kevin is a Kevin is a singer and songwriter and. I'd say, you know, as for as long as... So I've been in Arkansas for like 22 years, almost 22 years, and I feel like, you know, folks a lot, folks outside of Arkansas, one, they don't really think about Arkansas. Right. They do think about Arkansas. They think about Bill Clinton, mm -hmm. uh, maybe some of that Iran-Contra stuff, like dropping cocaine, mm -hmm. uh, uh, people dying on train tracks, and uh, what else would it be? West Memphis 3, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then whatever terrible Southern stereotype you have, right? Yeah. Uh, and so for a long time, I would say to people, uh, they'd say like, oh, man, you live in Arkansas. What's that like? And I'd say, man, Arkansas is whatever you think about Arkansas, that's Arkansas. Like, that's <laughs> definitely yeah, part yeah, of it. Yep. Right? But there's all this other shit to it, too, yep. right? Yeah. And, like, I always kind of thought you were one of the things that was the other stuff, right? Well, uh, yeah, that's the South in general, though. You know? Sure, sure. Yep. Uh, and I loved that you were also from North Texas, you know, which yeah. is like historically, I, it, I'm, I'm, I don't think Texas thinks that much about Arkansas, but I think that. It, oh yeah. Yeah. I, this is, this is a true theory. Yeah. Arkansas, people in Arkansas are preoccupied with hating Texas. Yeah. And I don't think that Arkansas matters at all. To no, not, Texas. A, not at all. No football. None of that matters. You know, it's just kind of like. The Razorbacks get so excited when they when they play the Longhorns and beat them, and it's just kind of like, yeah, well, you didn't really beat the Longhorns. You didn't beat Vince Young. You didn't beat Ricky Williams. You just beat a bunch of kids, you know. But, yeah, you're right. It It is hilarious to me how much – how Arkansans actively hate Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, I can see their point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what they – you know – there's actually there's actually some folks in my life like some of the most influential people in my life have been from Texas. Right. But you know, if you just go and stand in the middle of Dallas or stand in the middle of Houston or something, mm -hmm. right? Like you're not and if you're just absorbing through osmosis, yeah. the energy of the place. Yeah. That's not it. No, that's not it, right? That's right. Like what you want out of Texas is uh what I'm looking for, I think is like some level of often some level of nostalgia mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. uh i think i like the the more isolated groups of people in texas absolutely right yeah uh tough kind of uh you, you know there's a way in way people some people in texas get that they're almost like jerky right like they're real tough but they're still malleable right uh and then i, I yeah i think it uh it goes without saying some of the best like if you like guitar and words mm -hmm. and words that go with guitar, like some, some of the some of the greatest the ones, the best stuff ever produced, there. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know what's a weird thing? So we we're talking about how. So I I know, I've known I guess for a long time at this point I've known you for a long time. Yeah. And it came through playing music, right? Right. Uh, yeah. But now that I do this like other thing, right? Uh, 
we're talking about Texas songwriters. You know who's like really like a really well respected figure in the outdoor space is a uh, Towns Van Zant's kid. He's like a I red, don't even. he's a redfish like he's a fly fishing guide down really? on the Texas coast and he's you know I don't know the guy so I'm just talking about my perception right, right, of what I've right. seen man but uh he's like a real staunch conservation activist and or proponent would probably be a better way of saying it and like even with that red fishing like he's he's doing it for the interaction with the animals like he really it's his preference that you don't keep a fish and eat it ah you know, uh, catch and release type fella. Yeah, but it's wild, man, because he looks just like Town. I mean, looks just really? like Town's Van Zandt. Have you ever seen a. You know, they did that documentary on Town's Van Zandt. Where after. he's in his kitchen. Yeah, and like you kind of see the, the decline of him, sure. right? He got yeah, sick yeah, and yeah, passed yeah. away, right? And this dude's in it. You know, he's like, a, he's like 17 and he's playing guitar. Wow. He just looks like Town's Van Zandt, and now, 25 years later, he yeah. still does. Uh, but yeah, he's like. And he's, like, cool, man. He's, like, all linked up with that Yeti company, you know, based out of Austin. That's and not too bad. Yeah, he's, like, uh, he's like promoting, you know, you know what ranch waters are? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah, he's actually. Like, he's, like, promoting, like, this canned ranch water uh-huh. brand. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, like, a weird intersect. Um, but, yeah, man, so if someone asked you what you do now, no, let's not do that yet. Okay. You've been, how long have you been in Arkansas for? 30 years or something? Uh, yeah. Yeah, cl- a little bit more, maybe off and on. Uh, wound up going to Harding starting in 1988, which is, you know, Harding, the yeah. big Church of Christ school in Searcy. My older brother and my sister had gone there, and my mom was kind of worried about me because I was kind of the wild one. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was just like, just try it for a year. So I went there for a year, met a girl, kind of never left. I think I came back home for... One semester, and went to community college in Collin County, where my parents still live, uh, for, I don't know, like a week, and I dropped out. So just kind of skipped around for a semester, and then I think I went back to Harding for one more year. I just kind of waited for her to graduate, and then we got married in 92. So I've been here... In Little Rock since 1992. And so y'all been married for, like, what, yeah. 31 years? Thir- 30 years, yeah. 30 years? Yeah. 30 years. Oh, yeah, I guess last it is. Aug- 30 years last August, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. That's how you, like, describe your entry, man, because you're probably the first dude I ever came across that that I was, like, fully convinced was, like, fully in without question in love with his wife uh, like really like really liked her a lot yeah you we know? were talking about that this morning she and i yeah yeah she was like man you really like me don't you <laughs> <laughs> she's like you're the luckiest son of a bitch uh yeah no it's always been that way you know you're you're not wrong it's actually true yeah yeah yeah, yeah man and you were uh I've been all in since I saw her. Yeah, you know, that's probably worth... That actually brings me... Because you're like that with your kids, too. Yeah. And how much older... How old are you now? Are you 50 yet? I'm 53. Are you really? Yeah. Okay, so you're 50... So you're like 14 years older than me, right? Okay. And so when, like, that whole crew of folks moved up, when I moved up here in that kind of the tail end of, like, the Conway kids moving up here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would have been... 
shit, I don't know, like probably mid two thousands, like probably fifteen years ago or something, yeah, okay. right? Yeah. So, and that you know we were all like whatever twenty three, twenty four years old. And you got this was the big city, right? Well, yeah. you're from St. Louis. Well, yeah, so. I mean, yeah, in Arkansas, it was, right? It was bigger than right. Conway, Arkansas. Yeah. Which you know I went to this little town, go to this little liberal arts school, and mm-hmm. ended up hanging out with like the little weirdos and the punk rock kids and stuff, and then a couple of them got this bar. It's like in Arkansas, and I mean, probably throughout this real kind of a well-respected mm-hmm. dive bar type place called Whitewater. Heard and I've heard of it. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> I may have slept on a pool table there. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I kind of came up on the tail end of that thing, and and it was maybe it was perception, but I, you know, it was kind of a little bit of like what we were just talking about before we started recording, man, like. Like the the established musical scene or whatever, yeah, right, yeah, probably rightfully took a little umbrage with these like these folks that had like a little you know youthful attitude mm-hmm. coming in there, right, and there's little budding heads, and then it kind of worked its way out, and uh, yeah, then there was like folks like you who had been playing in Little Rock for you know long time for like a, yeah a long time and. It, had toured stuff that doesn't really happen as much anymore, but like had really done that. Like, yeah, I was at the tail end of all that, you know, but I mean, you were like in Europe getting yeah. record deals and yeah, all yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I was at the tail end of it. Like when I was the first time anyone offered me a quote unquote record deal, yeah. it was a, it was a three sixty deal, which is, do you remember when they were doing those for a while? Is that like the CCR deal? I don't know what a three sixty. I don't know what a CCR deal. Is. <laughs> yeah. That's just like, the worst record deal in history. It's you know, so it used to be like, uh, you know, so it was like financially prohibitive to record a record, right? Back. Right. So sure. like the the label would pay to record mm-hmm. the record, mm-hmm. right? You'd get some points, whatever. They'd give you ten cents on every right every uh, copy they got sold, right? Like people were buying hard physical copies yeah. of this stuff, right? And uh, so they pretty much own your recordings, but then you made money by going on tour selling $50 t-shirts, whatever. And then folks weren't buying hard copies of stuff anymore because of, uh, I mean... Digital. Yeah, like Napster showed up, and then people were doing MP3s and whatever. So they started doing these 360 deals where it was like, they'd give you $10,000 to record a record, and then they get 50% of everything. Mm. Like 50% of your tour and 50% of your merch. Yeah. It was garbage. Yeah, so maybe I was at the beginning of the end. You know, yeah. it, it was just about to change into where people aren't going to be buying CDs anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I couldn't be happier that that happened. Couldn't happen. The, the record industry was, is just so bloated. I remember, and it, me even benefiting from it, it's just like, this is not the way you should do business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met so many people that worked for the label that we were on that, you know, didn't know anything about music or didn't care about music, sure. like didn't listen to music. But th- I digress. Well, you know, and I can only speak to like in the past, right? Because as we discussed, like I have moved out of relevancy in this field, but <laughs> there was a... Uh, like really, what felt good about playing and staying up all night and like hanging out and 
thinking you're having these meaningful conversations. Yeah, and yeah, very, yeah. very occasionally having uh-huh. them right. And sure. Thinking you had to like really harm your body to to have some angst, right? You could be you could be pessimistic about it and talk about just how bullshit stern it is, which it is in large part. But there's also something. The thing that I thought was kind of the most fulfilling about it was the earnestness, right? Mm. Like just even if it wasn't going to carry you throughout your whole life, just like really being invested in uh, in the idea that like you know you could create something huh? that would matter, yeah. You know that would that would somehow like influence the you know the the fabric of whatever was you were in, right? Yeah. Uh, it's pretty rare, but yeah. I mean, I don't know, dude. I think that, uh, I mean, if you want it to be like worldwide, I think it's pretty rare, but I think that. Oh yeah. I mean, at some point uh, I, I made it smaller. Like I used to try to write songs that with this wide reach, the wide brush. And then I realized the more specific I got, yeah. the more people could relate to it. Yeah, man. And like, so, you know, this It worked smaller, with me, dude. Yeah. Like, right? you're, you're coming out as, like, North Texas Church of Christ. Yep. You know, like, grew up in the 70s thing, man. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and I've always said, dude, like, I think, like, my favorite songwriters have been, like, Towns Van Zant, have been you. Uh, oh, you can stop there if you want to. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I'm thinking about, like, songwriters. That's, that's pretty... Those are... Pretty good company there, bud. Dude, yeah, 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 man. But it's... Were you a Steve Earle fan? Uh, I got zero beef with Steve Earle, but I was never, like, a uh, fan. Well, I was, and then I kind of, not grew out of it, but Steve Earle's a good guy to listen to, speaking of those Texas songwriters, like, at the beginning, because his songs are, especially back then, were, like, songwriting 101, yeah. you know. But what were you saying? You were saying the, the, I'm just the like specific- Towns Van Well, yes, yes, that's what I was saying. I'm saying the specificity yeah, of it. Yeah, lyrically, yeah. Is it, that's easier for someone to to plug into emotionally or mm-hmm. or intellectually because it it's actually respectful enough of the person who's listening to it. Uh, like it gives the it gives the listener a chance to make those synapse connections it, for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it also it also uh, kind of. Uh, uh, gets rid of the people that don't listen to music the way that we listen to sure, music. Sure, sure. The guys that listen to hit hit song radio, top top forty radio. Yeah. We're well, just just looking for something different from it. Yeah. You know, they're just uh, for a lot of people, it's uh, something to fill the silence with. Oh, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, I can tell that you and I and, you know, a lot of people I know listen to music way different than most people do. Wasn't there a point in your life where you were like, oh, man, I like music way more than anybody I know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a brother-in-law that's married to my sister. That makes him your brother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he, I just had one. He's, he's ah. not my brother-in-law anymore. Right, right, but, right. Uh, I was, exp- when I was like, you know, 18 or something, 17 or He's this dude's telling. He's from Paducah, Kentucky, yeah. and this dude's telling me that I need to, I need to go to the army, right? Like he thinks I need discipline, which I did need discipline, but that I, seems an overcorrection. Yeah, I mean, for me, I probably would have, it wouldn't have worked out. But uh, I was, exp- I was telling him about music, and I was explaining it to him. He was just looking at me like he had, he had never heard 
anyone ex- like uh, uh, explain it having that effect on him and he was like man i just want to let you know dude like and he was being he was trying to be generous with me he was like everybody don't see it that way <laughs> you know he's right uh but i mean everyone's got some sort of some form of artistic expression that especially when you're in that you know you're in that self introspective like woe is me high school stuff that, yeah, like, sure. that hits you you know i think there are some people that never go through that though unfortunately they probably go through it later in life yeah i mean they're yeah they're probably like peaked in high school you know those guys yeah you know end up what they're, nice. they're divorced and they're sitting yeah, there like yeah apartment on an air mattress yeah waiting know. for their kids to come every other weekend yeah 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 uh but man, I I I don't know exactly how, but I feel like this ties into uh I'm not even sure how to broach this, but so so whenever this was say so say fifteen, say thirteen years ago, whatever, right? Mm. There was and and I feel like you I feel like you understood it from me, and it's something I've thought back on a lot, but I think I had a like I liked your music so much and I respected your songwriting ability so much that I think that I thought I don't think I did I thought that like your focus on like being a really rad dad and a good husband hmm. was uh was like a waste you know like <laughs> I, and, and I I think that I thought that uh because I asked you one time, I was like, man, are you going to you know, try and do this or that? Or blah, 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 man? And you're like, dude, you're like, I'm going to try and be Gus's dad. Yeah. You know? And I, was, I remember being like kind of mad at you. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, uh, I mean, because especially, you know, my 20s, man, like I was misguidedly so like in, just incredibly earnest about everything right? all or nothing yeah 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 uh and honestly it's still like a thing i have not like i don't balance is the hardest thing for me to find yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like sh- straight up fear of prison i think is the the number one <laughs> fear of prison and loving my family enough i'll go the, with that those are the two things that have kept me from being like a, a degenerate i'll junkie, go with that yeah right? yeah i'll <laughs> go with that I, you know it's like i never like I never shot up something because I was just, uh, I think about my mom and I think about the fact that I could not survive in prison. But, but now, you know, so translate it to now, I'm like, I'm at the point that you were at. So this is before you had kids. Yeah. So I'm at the point that you were at and I, dude, it's not even that I think it was an honorable thing to do. I understand it now to be the absolutely only correct thing to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, like how Chris Rock has that bit about, like, people always talking about, I take care of my kids. Like, what, you want a cookie? <laughs> yeah. That's what you're supposed to do, man. <laughs> but, uh, but it wasn't that, man. You know, like, it, you didn't say, you didn't say, I'm going to, uh, you know, whatever. I'm going to start doing data processing and try right. to make six figures. You made the decision that you were going to, like, legit be a rad dad. Right. Right? And, uh. Uh, I, dude, I had a dude, I don't want to say this guy's name, but this is like kind of one of my stories, you know, so when I was, uh, I was cooking yeah. at the bar, right? Right. And this, 
a dude who's like well known, good songwriter, like from a band that's kind of like held in very very high regards in this part of the country, right? You go right ahead, <laughs> right? And uh, I think it had you open for him or something, uh-huh. and I think you had kind of been like particularly smarmy with his been audience. Myself, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you were there was a there was a, a grit to it, right? And I would blame it on the on the crowd. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. a it's not it's a crowd that's there to see the, the band that came to. Correct. You know, I opened for them. Dude, I opened for them in Conway years before that, dude. And I I'll never forget, dude. I started playing songs, man, and those kids, they they just repeated that band's name until I left. Uh, like, literally, dude, it, yeah. Oh, oh man, it was brutal. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but anyway, so this dude's like. He's like, man, I just don't get it. Because this is a dude, this is what I'm talking about, about your influence. He was like, I don't get it, man. He's like, like, this dude loves you, right? He's like, I love this guy, man. I think he's like the greatest songwriter, man. Like, why is he, he's like, why is he so grumpy? And I was like, dude, you want me to tell you for real? I was just, I was still willing to, there's a point in my life when I was still willing to, uh, you know, like say, Say stuff that was like mean and and pretend that it was all right because it was true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just yep. being a yeah. a turd. And I was like, dude, I was like, because that guy knows he's a he's a fucking genius songwriter, man. I was like, and you tour all over the place, and you know, like have people throw themselves at you, dude. And this dude's making sandwiches. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, I was wow. like, dude. and I was like, so I said, I bet sometimes he kind of hates you. And I was like, and I do too. And then wow. that, that was where it went too far. And then it turned into something, you know, whatever. Right, uh, right, right, right. And this is like, this is a nothing story really. Is everything okay now? I guess. I ain't talked to that dude in a decade. He's still touring all over the country. Yeah. He's still banging, man. Yeah. I was watching a show and heard one of their songs, uh, <laughs> the other day, and I was like, oh, that cat won, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He beat us. <laughs> he won, man. <laughs> He's winning. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I kind of, I think I, I, res- I respect the inclination because you, you didn't stop writing amazing songs, right? I'd argue that, you know, I mean, I've listened to older stuff like Ho-Hum stuff or uh-huh, whatever. Yeah. Like, I'd argue that some of my favorite stuff was, Probably when you were right about the period, like right about like my period, right? Yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like I think one of the best songs ever is, uh, you know, this town smells like paper mills and broken wheels, yeah, yeah. which you would think on its head is super specific to Little Rock, right? Like there's this paper mill down yeah. in Pine Bluff, right? Those southerly winds blow up, yeah. you smell the stink. Yep. yep. But I mean, you could replace that with anything, any rendering plant. I have had so many people guess so many different towns, but you know, yeah, I guess. I mean. Yeah, there was something going on right there. That's that's probably the time where I was like, I'm going to get real specific here. I think that was the first solo record, and I think that I was kind of trying to get there with Mulehead, but I was still trying to be clever. Mm-hmm. But then that's like when I really started ratcheting down, and it's like this is going to be about. And I think it was about. Uh, I started having. Uh, conversations with a buddy of mine in arizona he's a huge hip-hop fan and i was jealous of these rappers who could so my genre which i would say is americana or whatever you want to call it you know you got to talk about like train a lot of dudes talk about trains and all this shit that doesn't happen anymore and it's like you grew up in the suburbs man what are you doing yeah you know but a rapper can talk about what's happening in that room where he is and it's way more effective 
So I was kind of jealous of that immediacy. Mm -hmm. So that's where I started doing that. Dude, and then you got into, like in subsequent records, you got into, it, it felt like really examining this this like world you came from right, right like that yeah, real heavy yeah. religious influence yeah. like talking about being at the summer camp and, uh-huh. uh yeah Again. i want to do one of the best lines ever 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 is you know you're referencing like the serpent yeah right like and, and so of course too everyone who's everyone who like fancies themselves like a, you know a, a student of western thought right right like they love a bible reference right sure, and, sure. but so you say uh you talk about a bifurcated tongue, uh-huh. which I think is like I say bifurcated all the time. Directly, I, I had to look the word up. <laughs> then I was like, "Oh, dude, what a good word for being cut in half." I was pretty proud of that dude, one, dude. Yeah. That's a great line, yep. man. That's a great line. Uh, what do you, what are you pulling from now? Like when you saying you're writing, maybe not performing as much, but writing. What do you pull I, from now? I would say that. This last batch of songs that I wrote was, uh, so my wife and I had to go pick up our daughter in Austin. She went to debate camp. So Mm -hmm. we drove to Texarkana and we took back roads all the way to Round Rock, just outside of Austin. And like just those, and you were talking about it earlier, you know, what you want out of Texas. It's like those back roads, all these towns that kind of have the same thing. There's a donut shop. There's another donut shop. Every town has its own thing. A water tower, a Mexican restaurant, whatever it is. Um, but something split my head open on that trip to where it was like, well, I'm going to start writing all these songs. And the first song that I wrote on this batch was, actually, I had written a song about Dimebag Daryl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in his death and how it affected me, which I was not a Pantera fan, but when he died, somehow, for some reason, I got really sad. And it turns out he kind of grew up close to where I grew up. What was it? Was it Megadeth? What was he in? No, he was uh, Pantera. Pantera, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he had like the big Confederate flag guitar. Then I started looking at it, and it's like, well, no wonder I kind of liked him because he was very influenced by ZZ Top, Texas music. Yeah. And their music was a little different. Still not a huge fan because, you know, that heavy music is not really what I'm into, but I'll listen to it every once in a while. But uh, so I just started writing, like, when I'm in a situation like that in a small town, I always think, like, there's a kid here who's a fucking genius, and he's either going to make it out or he's not going to make it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I always go to songwriting. Like, there's some band, high school kids in this town uh, who... It's not as easy to, to go unnoticed anymore because of the internet and all that kind of stuff, but they get together every Friday night, and they're just amazing, and they write the, the greatest songs. So all those characters started making into all these songs uh so that's kind of what i'm pulling on now i'm 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 specifically writing about texas and grow and when i grew up the texas of when i grew up uh and and relatives and you know talking about my cousins and like whatever happened to that guy what town did you grow up in so i grew up in uh McKinney would be the biggest town that there. 
And it probably was the biggest town then. I graduated from Allen, Texas. And all these towns now, people here have heard of them. They're huge towns now. They're basically Dallas. Mm -hmm. So north of Dallas. Um, but back then, they were little towns. You got outside of, so, you know, there's Dallas and Richardson, then Plano, and then McKinney. Or Allen, then McKinney, then Melissa. Then it just keeps going north. Um they were little towns then, and nobody nobody had heard of them. Once you got past Plano, nobody knew what was back. <laughs> nobody knew what was back there. What what was beyond Plano? But I also spent a lot of time in East Texas. That's where my grandparents lived, and my aunts and uncles and all that kind of stuff, cousins. Um, so I could, we kind of split time there, and, and and in the summers, I was there kind of constantly so a lot of these songs are based on that area which i found far more interesting than where i grew up it was almost i would say it's a suburb now in fact the the house i grew up in my parents sold probably 10 years ago they tore it down and it was 13 acres and there's all these just multi-million dollar houses on it now. Not just like multi-million because that's how much they cost, but like super fancy. I think some of the Dallas Cowboys live there now. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that changed, huh? Yeah, it changed a little bit. But that was, I mean, that was, it was pretty wild then. I mean, it, it was country country when I was a kid. So that's where I grew up, you know, running the creeks and what have you. Uh did you grow up fishing or hunting or anything like that? No. Actually, no. I avoided all that. You know, I think that I would go fishing with my grandfather when I was a kid. But there was a group of us in that environment. And most of the kids were fishing and hunting or doing FFA and, and raising cows and pigs and stuff. And we specifically avoided that. Which marked us as kind of outsiders. Sure. And now I kind of wish that I had done that stuff, you know kind of wish that i had kept fishing or had ever gone hunting my uh my dad was a dove hunter but that's about it yeah i think i think that going on a dove hunt every year in texas is kind of it's kind of a thing. like everybody yeah you know it's like a big tailgate yeah that's right uh but no i mean you know and and my parents were were pretty permissive like, we kind of got to do whatever we wanted to do and didn't really have to do what we didn't want to do. Two, two varying degrees. So were you, uh, were you raised, like, going to church every oh, Sunday? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, so there's that side of it, too. As long as you went to church, yeah, every Sunday, every Wednesday, my mom was real Church of Christ. And the Church of Christ that I grew up in all the way through middle school was strict. And you're going to hell at every turn. And then we found a progressive Church of Christ <laughs> when I got a little older. And that, those guys turned out to be really, really good people for me, for everybody in my family, I think. Because that Church of Christ thing, man, is strict. And it's like you're, you feel guilty 24 hours a day. I still am dismantling all that, you know. You know, I didn't think about that. That's like Catholic guilt, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, like that old style. By the way, we were taught to hate Catholics as Dude, well. Dude, you know, I didn't know that was a thing until uh -huh. I moved uh, moved to Arkansas. Yeah. Because I'd, I'd grown up in St. Louis, and I'd, I think from, from sixth grade through high school, I went to Catholic school. Like, I went to all boys high school and stuff, sure. right? 
and just going to Catholic parochial school is a very commonplace thing in St. Louis. And then I got down to Arkansas, and I realized how, you know, a, a lot of people have a lot of negative stuff to say about the Catholic Church, you know, and, you know, I'm not here to defend it, right? But I would tell you that it was uh, a much kinder, gentler institution mm. than what I was introduced to yeah, like, yeah, yeah. when I got down give you that. to, like, the Bible Belt. Like, yeah. just there's a, there was this idea, you know, they would say, like, you know, the idea that, you know, being a good moral person, uh, that that's what, that's what the goal was, right? And this, you know, there's many paths to God and there mm -hmm. are Buddhists in heaven and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I got down here and it was like, dude, if you ain't doing it just like this, yeah. you will burn forever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not just that, but I mean, you know, like just weaponizing that it, it, at every t weaponizing God. Sure. Towards other people. Well, I mean, and look, that's not that's not specific to the Church of Christ in the seventies, man. That's throughout history, right? <laughs> People weaponizing. <laughs> I'll give God. you that. I'll give you that. But it was a real specific, you know. And and you would think there would be more Catholics in Texas because of the the Latino population. Well, but mean, where I was, there weren't that many Latino people either. That, so that's what it is, man. So yeah, obviously, right. I mean, dude, I just did this. Uh, I did a a podcast uh, some weeks ago with this dude down in Southwest Little Rock who's a Catholic priest. Yeah, I heard that one. Oh, yeah, but he's a – and he, in that, he said something like, there's only like 7,000 Catholics in Arkansas, and 95% of them are Latino. Mm -hmm. But if you think about outside of the Latinos who settled Texas, it's like Germans, right? Uh, so they're bringing uh, that Protestantism. Yeah, a uh, real strict Protestantism. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like That's crazy. in Germany they wouldn't let us be strict enough. So <laughs> <laughs> we left. <laughs> in Germany uh, they were like, "Hey man." Yeah, I never even thought about that, you know. But it it was something. Uh Do you think do you think there was a uh it, This is kind of an obvious question. So I'll say this. How do you think the reaction to that like influence the i mean you know like you you had a period i'm sure of like kind of hard drinking like staying up in bars smoking oh sure yeah, cigarettes, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, I, would, I would say yeah that was uh, i had a, an over adjustment period sure. for sure you know I, I grew up i said i was the wild one but in my family it didn't take much to be the wild one you know what i mean like my older brother is so square. My sister has always done the right thing. So if you leave the, that little path a little bit, you're the wild one. Yeah, so you and your little brother would be like the We're the Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I kicked the door down for him. Like by the time he came along, they were like, do whatever you want. We don't care. You know? yeah, yeah. And at the same time, as long as you went to church, you could kind of do whatever you wanted to do. They never squashed my... my um, uh, creativeness you know they never squashed that they always thought it was cool that i i was uh like a visual artist you know i like to draw and and all that kind of stuff and then when i got out got into music they were real encouraging you know and my dad especially my dad was a huge music fan so i think he was kind of happy that i was getting into that what was the question uh oh yeah how did how did so, the overcorrection work the, oh yeah, yeah so the overcorrection so then like you know i was kind of a good kid seen as a good kid um 
So then it was like, I got to prove how wild I am. So I got more wild, more wild, more. Never drugs or anything like that. Fear prison, that type of thing, sure. you know. But yeah, I mean, just. And it was kind of tricky because my mom's side of the family, there are a lot of alcoholics on that side. So kind of side trying to sidestep that with her, with her being too worried about you or what what have you. So I'm sure I scared her a few times. I scared myself a few times. But yeah, so yeah, cigarettes and booze. Definitely staying up all night, you know, trying to find somebody in each town we toured into to be like, you're going to be my bro tonight. We're staying up all night, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I had that period. And it was <laughs> it was a pretty long period, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You think, do you think, uh, were you out of it before Gus came or Gus? Oh, oh yeah. no, Gus, Gus got me out of it. Sure. I was still, like, trying to stay up till. I was working at that bar. It's so now, but it was a living room back then. I don't know if you ever came up here when mm-hmm. that was there. Matt came in a few times. Uh, I think that uh, we we used to have shows there. So, like, you know, I'd, I'd bring people in that he liked, and he'd come see them. And uh, so I – and we would stay up until 2 a.m., and then I would stay up there drinking until 4 a.m. Yeah. and still trying to, like – get up in the morning because i was taking care of gus i would work at night caroline would work during the day and i would take care of gus like starting in the morning but you know i was i had stayed up till four or five in the morning that was kind of a uh, an adjustment period but finally got out of that i can't remember how i got out of that where i worked after that but it took a good Three or four years to be like. I remember you bouncing in and I'm out. I'm gonna of it, be man. a dad. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I remember like you. Like you wouldn't. You'd be like, man, I'm not drinking anymore. Yeah. Or I'm not smoking anymore. Right. right. But then like, we'd be hanging out or something. You're like, hey man, can I bum one of them cigarettes? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's just, yep. I get it, dude. I get how it goes. Uh, yep. Well, and then you know when he was, I don't know how old he was, but I had that whole period. I didn't drink for like nine years. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I've been drinking again, finally, but. Yeah, no, you nothing like what I was doing, dude. You got that like ten gallon hat, and you uh, were running all the time. That's right. You weren't drinking, dude. So you know, I've like been, I've been on my graph, like going up and down, being real healthy and not right, and like running all the time, right? And I, (laughs) dude, I was like running in this park, (laughs) like legit. Maybe like a month ago, I'm running in this park, and I got these goofy little running shorts on, you know? Uh huh. And I'm running, and I had this, uh, I did, I had this flash, and I was. I was, and I'd kind of been like, uh, I, I, I'd been going through this, uh, I'd just been examining like, I don't know, I guess like my, some ideas about spirituality and, uh-huh. you know, just all that's just that cliched shit. Right. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, I'm Kevin, I'm, I'm Kevin Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, were you running like this? <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I, know, I had my little hands up like that. And I was like, dude, I, I was like, uh. Like, oh, yeah, man. I went through, uh, again, I mean, like, during that period, I went, I had a spiritual awakening, like a for real thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I was convinced that I had met God one night, you know, and uh, went, the only language I knew and the only way I knew to do it was to go back to the Church of Christ. And so I went back for a good couple of years and, mm-hmm. like, became really involved, like, teaching teenagers and all this kind of stuff. And then... I just started seeing the cracks, you know. It's just like, oh, these people haven't changed at all. They're they seem nicer on the on the 
on the surface. And there's always nice people, actually true, genuine people. But, you know, I mean, it's not their fault. All they, they're all damaged from being raised in this tradition, you know. And so we, I started kind of like, eh, I'm going to go ahead and back out. Then when Trump was elected, I was like, I bet a good number of these people voted for that dude because he's a Republican, and that's what you have to do if you're a Christian. And that was like the last straw where I was like, I still believe that there's something outside of me, higher than me. But at the end of the day, I can say the thing that I wasn't allowed to say growing up. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. So that's what it looks like now. I mean, but there's a, there's a lot of humility to that. I think uh, so, too. You know, and I think to be fair, too, like there's I'll speak for myself. I have a uh, it, it sounds like to me like what, what you ultimately were reacting to in that is the just some people had there's an unbearableness to uh, to like organize facility. Mm. Right. Mm. And this. Uh, this way that stuff has to be done. Mm -hmm. I think that most people find comfort in that, right? And then some people are just by their nature, they're irked by it, right? Uh, To the point that they'll find... I finally, I think, started realizing that about myself a few years ago. And it was just that uh, the more I would try to conform to somebody else's standards, right? Like, do it the... the, the right quote unquote right way uh it, it was it felt like i was compromising everything about myself and so like there wasn't any room for any goodness to come out of me because i was mm. i was like kind of having this allergic reaction to it mm. you know what i mean yeah uh so i don't know maybe i'm pandering well that's i, just, I don't want to crap all over organized religion no but me i think either. the organized part of it is i just, think that's hard the problem for but i, I, I and it's funny you say that because it's it's kind of like I started noticing that people were like, I'm gl- so glad you've had this awakening. And then, so now, are you going to behave? And it's like, I mean, probably not. Yeah. You know? And the more you t- you ask me that, the less I'm going to. Yeah, that, see, that's it. That's, that's part of who you are. There's just like a, there's a contrarianism to you. Sure. That, that is well served. Uh it's like the the best version of that contrarianism is cleverness, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. And so that can make you like a great raconteur. <laughs> that can make right. you like a great storyteller. It it works really great with uh, art, like visual art or, or written or like songwriting or whatever. Uh, but then like the bad side of it is that... Uh, If if you if you if you feel constrained, like you're just gonna react, right? And so like if it comes out in cleverness and they're smart enough to get that, that works. But if it doesn't, you just be an a hole. Yeah, you know what I mean. I would I would say there's also a a good bit of self sabotage involved in that. Ooh, too. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like I'm really gonna fuck this up for me, dude. I tell you what, I would be <laughs> if every time I had done that in my life. Was actually a success. I'd be, uh, I'd be <laughs> Jeff Bezos right now, man. <laughs> no one has been a worse friend of Jonathan Wilkins than Jonathan Wilkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my brain tells me all the time, like, if it, it, just like with running, whatever. 
one day my brain is like, you never want to do this again, do you? Like, oh, so you, okay. you, you've completely stopped? Yeah. Can't tell. <laughs> I mean, hey, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I blame it on my knees, but I don't know. I also, you know, my mom, the old Bevernator, she says, uh, she's talked about people like this, but she'll say, like, you know, Jonathan, some people are with you for uh, a reason and some people are with you for a season. Uh. You know, and like, I don't think that you have to do everything forever. I don't think you No, have you to, really don't. I don't think every relationship has to be forever. No. Uh, no. In fact, you know, it's kind of like uh, growing it, I will, I will, uh, I consider a lot of my relationships when I was in Texas, like in high school, like those dudes I would hang out with. Mm-hmm. It's like we needed each other. We held on to each yeah. other really tight. But then when we got out of it, it's just kind of like, all right, deuces. You know, and I'm still friends with him. Sure. Me and Brent Best are still, still pretty close. But there was a period where we weren't. I think his wife was, was like, you guys need to start hanging out again. So yeah, we yeah. do kind of sometimes. But, you know, <laughs> I started feeling bad because it was like, you know, I felt like he was ignoring me. And not just him, but this is just an example. But, it, you know, it's just kind of like, well, I guess I needed him more than he needed me. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, that's the season, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's and, – and you go in and out being real close to people, especially in this town. Not especially in this town. I don't know why I said that. But, you know, there's times where you really hang out hardcore with somebody. And then all of a sudden it's like, eh, I'm good. Yeah. Which is fine. It's the way it works. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, just, you can't, I think one of the, I think as as people, maybe as a society, we really, uh, we really put a lot of stake in specialization, right? Mm Or, you know, or being able to, uh, what's that dude? This is like kind of esoteric, but do you remember like it was on back in the eighties? It was like Charles Corral, uh on the road with Charles yeah, Corral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> he's like examining the most interesting people right, across the right. country. Uh, and you know, it'd be whatever. It'd be some dude in North Texas that was like eighty years old, and he was the best, the best person that ever lived with a slingshot or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or okay. like these very specialized tasks, and 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 so that. That lends itself towards just something being repeated. Or, man, I'll tell you what, even what I've thought, like, like in a bar, right? Like, I saw people that by many measures would be considered uh, not successful, okay. right? Yeah. Relationships with people, marriages, children, jobs, you know, whatever. They weren't successful. Sure. But the thing they maintained was going to this stool every day uh. and drinking, right? And they actually gained status from that. Uh. Like, that, that was where their status came from, was the regularity the of it. Regular, the regular, yeah. The fact that it was repeated, yeah. right? Yeah. To the point that, uh, I, I think that I think that act actually had influence on people. And, you know, they, maybe they die and they're, like, legit mourned. Yeah. And they're enshrined and they're yeah. memorialized, sure. right? You know? Uh, but I... I I really think that one of the strengths of being a person is, or one of the great potential strengths of being a person is that there's endless changes available yeah. to you, right? Yeah. You can make whatever sort of course corrections, or given opportunity, you can, you can make course corrections and like do what's actually right. 
And if we go back to 30 minutes ago, like the right thing for you to do was to say, I'm going to keep playing songs, dude, but like, I'm going to make sure that like I'm giving my unit the best version of me that I can give them. Right. right? Yeah. Because I, I realized I'm giving the bar the best version of me and giving these people what's left over. So I just had to flip flop that. And if you, if you want to talk about the, I mean, the egotistical nature of, of writing thoughts down and then standing up and having everyone be quiet while you perform them. Yeah. Like, you know, like we're all chasing some sort of legacy. Right. Like if you just want to play the practical game, you're like, man, I've been doing this for like 15, 20 years. Practically, I could keep chasing something that may, may not happen. doesn't mean it doesn't have value, but like, or I can put my time and effort into something that that matters well that will endure for another 80 years yeah 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 <laughs> you know yeah. like you want to talk about legacy yeah and and i would argue and, and look i'm saying this as like dude i haven't i don't know that, that i don't even know that any of your kids have ever spoken to me or anything right or i've spoken it's not like i was talking to them they weren't talking to me but right uh i think i mean i just think about like gus your boy man like Gus was an entity in the place he lived from when he was really, yeah. really little yeah. as part of your legacy. I always have thought one of the coolest things, there's this documentary that, uh, I forget who made Towncraft, do you remember? Yeah, Richard Matson. Okay, so there's this documentary about kind of like the 90s music scene in Little Rock. Uh-huh. Uh, probably more interesting if you're from this if area. You know or if you know who the people ex- are. Yeah, yeah, if you experience it. But I think there's value in it just as like a cool documentary. But you're in it, and you're like sitting on your front porch. Yep. You know, you're like, and the guest is probably like five years old. Maybe if that, yeah. And but, dude, I thought it was so cool. Like, you're like, hey, hey, Gus, uh, what kind of guitar? I remember you said like, what kind of guitar? Bruce Little Springsteen, S- yeah, Steven. Little Steven play, right? And like, that was his favorite. That was his favorite band at the time, yeah. Dude, and I was like, dude, I that's what I want. One day, I want to have a kid, and they can rattle off guitars. And I didn't end up with that. You know what I ended up with is. Uh, this is like one of the most proud moments I've had in a long time. Is uh, me and the girls and Marianne, we were out in the park picking wild persimmons, right? Uh huh. And my oldest, Eloise, uh, she's five years old, and she's just like kind of like playing on the path and stuff. And she grabs like a bundle of pine needles, and she holds it up underneath her chin, and she goes, "This is my turkey beard." Uh, you know, like goblins, uh, dude. I was, and she just absorbed it through. Yeah. Like, and then she. Uh, then she like wanted my phone to record something, right? <laughs> so she's going, she's recording herself. She's going, hi, this is Eloise Wilkins. And uh, this is the podcast Black Duck uh, Revival. And we are picking persimmons with my daddy. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, awesome, man. I was like, man. dude. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, that's some wild stuff. But like her holding, like seeing that, making like the artistic decision to say, hey, I can make an analog mm-hmm. to something. That in my my little sphere like has importance, I thought was just like the the raddest thing, dude. And it that's like as a as a person who's in charge of other people, like there was some affirmation to that, right? Oh yeah. I, oh God, I remember there was uh, talking about Gus. There was and maybe you remember this, but me and Matt White were having an argument about if you were going to a deserted island, you could only bring. One person's catalog, one musician's catalog. Mm-hmm. 
one band, whatever. So I took ACDC. Gus was a huge ACDC fan at the time. So I was listening to a lot of ACDC. He's like, Bruce Springsteen, you know. Yeah. yeah. That, so those are t- Gus's two favorite things when he was this age, you know. So I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do, Matt. We're going to ask Gus what he thinks. And whatever he answers, that's the answer. Yeah. And so I asked him, and he took it real serious. Like he got up from the table, and he like goes in the kitchen, and he Sticks his head in and he goes, I mean, I, I guess, I guess Bruce Springsteen, but what about the replacements? Like, son of a bitch, that's the answer. Dude. <laughs> and that was the the first time he said something like that. And I was like, oh man, he thought of that on his own. Hilarious. Yeah. But I mean, like just from being exposed to it. And, and, yeah. And, yeah, and right. it having value right. in, in his world. Right. Uh, so I, I don't want to skip over completely. This place that we're in, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you've been here. You've been in How long have you worked for? Uh, well, I worked for Brandon for four or five years. And then I toured for a year and a half yeah. uh, by myself. And then I, I came back, and then he sold it. So I went back to Boulevard. Uh, and then it was District Fair for a couple of years, maybe. And then Brandon helped design Hill Station, the restaurant across the street, and helped bring this back to ham and then called me and asked me if i wanted a job so the only reason i left is because they shut down yeah they closed down the first first time so i came back so i mean like so i've been here on and off for 10 years, ten years yeah yeah and then like working in restaurants for what mm, since i mean i've always gone back to a restaurant job whenever that's i mean the restaurant I is a music, music. Job, yeah. yeah exactly since I mean, my first job probably was 85, 86 at Brahms. And then. Oh, like that ice cream yeah, and French fry place? Yep, yeah. Yep. And then uh, worked at Vino's for a good 10 years. Then after that, worked at Boulevard for one tour, four or five years. Mm-hmm. Then down here. Then they shut down. Back to Boulevard for a couple of years back here. Uh, so, I mean, one former fashion for real, like, since. Full-time since the early 90s, probably. Not still going to high school and just having a part-time job yeah, that yeah. I may or may not show up for. But I've always been... So this tour, though, now that I'm back here, I've actually started taking it seriously and trying to get my, my, my skills up, my chops, and try to figure out, like, how do you make soup? What's the technique? Turns out a lot of the techniques are kind of the same across the board. Like making soup, you do a certain order... Uh, sausages coming up with different flavored sausages there's mm-hmm. like master ratios yeah, yeah if yeah. i want it to taste like this put a little bit more of this in there and you know so that's what i'm doing i'm kind of taking a little more serious uh and then maybe someday i'll open my own place up but that'll be like my retirement plan oh really that's become yeah. like an aspiration yeah i mean my wife is uh you know, I mean, shit, we're 53, and she's kind of topped out where she works and, uh, you know, has started thinking about, like, a five-year escape plan. Uh, and then wants to, you know, she keeps uh, not putting me off, but, I mean, you know, like, if it was up to me, I'd jump in both feet and lose my ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's like, Let's think about it. You know, how do we want to do this? Maybe take a couple of business classes, which I'm not going to do at this point. I'll probably end up doing it. But uh, so she's kind of 
pull on the reins. And she said the other day, she was like, after after Christmas, we'll sit down and look at it and talk about it and how we're going to make this happen. So. Dude, that's gnarly, man. Yeah. So this place is a... This place, Hillcrest Artisan Meats. Hillcrest is a neighborhood in Little Rock. <clears throat> and so, so whenever Brandon opened, so Brandon, like, this dude came down like, from, like, Portland, right? Mm-hmm. The first person I ever, this is how I knew that Arkansas was different. He kept referring to, uh, like, his wife or something as his partner. Yeah. Right? And that was the first yeah, time yeah, I had yeah. ever heard that. Right. And I'm like, partner? Was like, this isn't Cagney and Lacey. That's your wife, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it just came from like a different place, right? And I mean, that's a little more commonplace now. Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. Whatever, 12, 13, whatever years Portland's ago. always been ahead of us. Sure. Uh, Trailblazers, I would say. <laughs> uh, but so like this was kind of the, that I can recall, this was the, this was like the, the first kind of artisan meat shop yeah, yeah. in central Arkansas. <clears throat> and I met, me. I met Brandon, he was the chef at Boulevard. Oh, that's right. He was a boulevard first. And then first. he came down here and started this place. And I would, I mean, they were building it out. I'd come by three times a week just yeah. to talk to him because he was my bud up there, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and so that's that's how that that's how I got the job here. You know, he was finally like, "Yeah, we wouldn't mind you working here if you could if you could swing it." So, dude, you know, the first batch of sausage I ever made was like literally right over yeah. there. Yep, it was bratwurst. Yep. Uh, I remember the phallic joke that I told uh-huh. Brandon. I remember him being like, there's a million of them. I've heard them all. Yeah, he was done with it. He didn't care at all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I made a batch of bratwurst. Uh, yeah. I, I remember I remember uh, thinking the, the, the effort to reward of this job, specifically making sausage, is, like, amazing. You cut the, cut the pork down, grind the pork, Mix the seasoning in it, put it into a stuffer, turn a handle, comes out into intestine. You got sausage. Yeah, it's really not that hard, man. No, it really isn't. You know, it's it's hard to do it really well. Sure. Or, you know, it's really easy to do it good enough to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's not as difficult as people think it is. No, I mean, like, you start, I actually think a few podcasts ago I did this, like, cooking and processing wild game thing and i talked about sausage a little bit you start getting in like emulsified sausages yeah that gets hard right like it's i mean bologna is really hard yeah a hot dog's hard yeah like a bratwurst and italian sausage that's easy. that's easy yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's just getting uh, your seasoning right and we're sitting right here in front of a dry curing cabinet mm-hmm. which you've been doing more stuff with that yeah so I'm trial gonna, and error are you doing like salamis and yeah yeah so and in stuff? there is uh well i've been doing more brisales yeah, which yeah. is the, the, the dry muscle beef. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I haven't done a soprasada yet, although I think that would be the same process. Maybe bigger, bigger grind. Uh, but, yeah, using different intestines. Like, we're using beef intestines for some of them, so they're a little bit bigger. Making summer sausages, which is easy because those are smoked instead of yeah. cured. The hardest part about these guys is just making sure they don't rot, you know, keep your your – humidity correct temperature correct and all that kind of stuff but this is like for a big order this lady came in and said she needed 60 of them to put in corporate gift baskets oh, that's awesome yeah i was like i'm not gonna let you walk out of here uh but I, so i'm gonna quote you a price and i'm gonna be uh, you know i'm gonna make them for you sure so knock on wood they don't go bad which Turn we around. haven't had that happen 
if it happens once, you never want it to happen again. A little funky. Like that little yellow black mold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff that'll kill people. You don't want that to happen. What is a... So, like, common... You're talking about intestines. Common intestine, like, for most lynx sausages would be, like, a hog intestine. Yeah. Like, a little skinny breakfast sausage would be, like, lamb. Yeah. Those are hard to stuff, oh, man. Oh, my They're goodness. So, there's a, there's a guy that comes in here every year at Christmas. And wants merguez. Yeah, yeah. North African lamb sausage. Lamb sausage, yeah. yeah. And we have a really good uh, uh, recipe for it. But I just, you know, it kills me to see that guy walk through the door because it's like, oh, here we go. Going to have to. And, and, and lamb intestines are only about two feet long. So you have to, like, keep doing it. Keep, keep doing reloading. It. Yeah. And it's hard to see, you know. But, yeah. But so his daughter. I don't know if she's adopted or not, but she's Middle Eastern, and she came in, and he was like, she wants to talk to you about the sausages. I was like, oh, shit, here we go. They're, she was like, it's amazing. Have you ever spent any time wherever she's from? I was mm-hmm. like, no, look at me. No. <laughs> I just got lucky. She's like, don't change the recipe at all. Really? She said you were yeah. nailing it, huh? Yep, yep. That's, I was just like flying blind. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's so, awesome. But, you know, it's Georgie's recipe, and apparently – you know, North African. Well, George's da- George's dad is French. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of all the an amalgam, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Got that got that colonizer vibe. That's man. right. Yeah. <laughs> I got that, that must co- be where it I came got that from. colonizer sausage, man. Was <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, man? Do you? This is a weird question. Do y'all have any beef buns in here? Like yeah. dried beef buns? Well, no. Uh, turns out it's not beef bung because the bung is bigger, right? Yeah, the, the bung is like the the bottom of the intestinal tract. Right, right, right. So that's how you make huge. So like that's what a like traditionally a mortadella or something would be. Yes, like. correct. No, we don't have those. You don't. No, I'm biggest the, thing we have is like a cow intestine. Yeah, but yeah. But it's not the bung. So that's like that's like summer sausage size. Yeah. So I mean, starts off that big, and we we dried some, and they they get a little bit. Not as big as I wanted them to be, but the summer sausage stays that size. Yeah. So yeah, same idea. Yeah, I want to do some. Uh, I just want to make some. Uh, I, I, you could call it bologna, but it'd really be more of like a. You know, like a Lebanon bologna is. Yeah, it'd be, I absolutely do. It'd be more, uh, more like that. But dude, we should. Uh, we should do some sausage stuff, man. I got so much weird, cool, tasty meat in the freezers, man. I'm down. Like I told you before we started, man, I, I'm trying to talk myself going on a hog hunt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you could go down to where you're from. And <laughs> yeah, no season, all that dude. kind of stuff. Uh, I've seen so many just like walking down the side of the road. Like I, first time I saw it, I didn't even know what – I don't really pay attention, especially that that kind of stuff. You yeah. Know? But I saw a big mom – and a bunch of little ones on the side of the road. And I got to where I was going, talked to my uncle. I was like, man, I saw this huge wild pig. I think it was wild. He was like, yeah, probably. They're everywhere. Yeah. Like, oh, all right. Mary Ann killed one last year. It was like 230 pounds. So you said that it doesn't taste as gamey as people say. No, I think so. I like, it tastes different than, than yes. domestic pig. So sure, like, right? pretty much like domestic meat in america is you know it's like corn and soy based feed right sure which which creates a very middle of the road mild taste right so obviously animals are influenced by what they're eating yeah uh and then 
Uh, Which is why lamb tastes like hay. And, sure. Yeah. And then, you know, then you start dealing with, like, testosterone and uh, breeding seasons and just stinky glands and all that. And for sure, you can get, I mean, like. Certain a, times of the year, it's yeah, different, Yeah, or just, right? like, dude, no lie, like a big old boar, man. Like, there's, there's a smell to it, right? It's like a giant-ass catfish. It tastes like mud. Can, right? Okay, Depending right. on what it is. But, right. I mean, it's, I'm just saying, like, real talk. Okay. Think about, like, grass. Like, if you get some grass-fed and finished beef versus, mm-hmm. like, a nice fat-capped ribeye from sure. Whole Foods or something, right? Yeah. There's, a, there's, like, a terroir to the one, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we killed – Marianne and I each killed a pig in Texas last year. And I would – I mean, the meat's been really good. Like, and one of them – one of them I kind of broke down to do, like, a lot of grind with. Uh, and, you know, kept the bellies and stuff, but mostly stuff for grind and whole mm-hmm. roast. And then the other one, like, got broke down to, like – uh, you know, soprasetta cuts and like chops and ribs and like baby backs and all that stuff. Uh, I would say the, f- the the meat and mostly the fat has a real f- floral quality to it. Uh-huh. Like it really, you you start roasting it or something and it smells. Is that because, I mean, and that's because of what they eat, yeah? I guess, man. I mean, but it wasn't, uh, it's, it's not off-putting at all. I think it's really good quality. As far as ground, what I've been doing is, I take 50%. So I, we kill two pigs and two does, uh, white-tailed does down there. And I've just been grinding 50% pork and 50% venison and mix them together, uh-huh. run it through the grinder one more time. And uh-huh. that's just like our, that's like our hamburger meat, you uh-huh. know. And it's, uh, I think it's pretty good. Uh, I've rendered the fat down and made lard out of it. And it oh, was, wow. uh, yeah, I mean, I keep saying floral, but yeah, I mean, it's, <sighs> perfumey is probably the wrong uh, description of it, but more perfumey than stinky. So, uh, and and I don't know if this is the same thing, but but a lot of salami has kind of a toomey, like yeah, 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 like and that can be almost floral too. Well, you know, too, man, like really heavily spiced, like pepperoni. Yeah, pepperoni was designed to cover that taste. to cover up like like when you kill when you're done breeding this boar after however long. You know, he's, he's done, right? And he's got a set of testicles on him that look like guava melons, right? Mm-hmm. And he's just, like, chock full of testosterone. Right. There's going to be uh, – there's going to be it's, – it's like goats. Like, uh, yep, you yep, know, like a, yep. a billy goat's got a smell to it, right? Sure. So uh, they designed this very heavily spiced sausage to just make that more palatable. And so you can use every part and every yeah. animal, right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, man. I got you. Uh, so – but I mean, so I would say right now in the freezer, I've got, I've got elk, I've got whitetail, I've got wild hog, I got wild turkey, I got black bear, I got a. Uh, oh wow! I didn't realize you'd. Oh, uh, the bear. You do bear hunting? Uh, yeah. I've well, I had the last two years I've yeah. gotten a bear. Uh, That's crazy. I tell you this, man. Uh, bar none, it's my favorite meat in the freezer. Really? That bear meat, yeah, man. And is this the first time you've eaten it, or have you, have you eaten it before? No, I had a buddy a few years ago that like gave me a pound of ground, uh, and then last year I, I was like hunt down the Wachita's, and last year I got wow. a bear, and then this year I got one, uh, and yeah, man, I mean it's like top shelf meat, man. Wow, like I, uh, I would assume so. Their diet is pretty good. They're, dude, they're ninety five percent vegetarian. Yeah, uh, they eat a lot of berries. Yeah, that's got to taste. They're good. eating like when when I killed them, they're uh, fattening up. 
for the winter, so they're just they're eating nothing but like acorns. Ah, oh, so that's uh, Iberico. I mean, basically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when you when you find their their scat out in the woods, man, you like kick it open. It just looks like a big, it's like someone took a big scoop of crunchy peanut butter and threw it on the ground. They're just eating white oaks. They're eating black gumberries. Uh, that puts a lot of that good fat in there. Yeah, man, and they. Uh, that's that's another situation like that's all about processing like you kill a bear like last year when i that bear that i got it was 95 degrees when i killed Mm -hmm. it it was like september two o'clock in the afternoon if i take that bear and i throw it in the bed of my truck and i drive it around for four hours showing it to all my buddies Mm. and then i finally decide to get its intestines out and its bladder and you know the turds a lot of that shit is coming getting into the meat well i mean it's just it's just marinating, man. Uh, Bacteria moves, whatever. Or you get on that thing, you get it cleaned immediately. You get the yeah. hide off, keep it out of the dirt. Like I'll get, I'll start peeling down the meat, like on the, on the femurs, because that's so thick, it'll start. You could throw it on ice, but it, maintaining heat by the bone, it'll still sour from the inside. So like, you know, man, it's just like treat it like, uh, treat it like it's high quality meat, which it is. Yeah. Get it cold fast. Keep it clean. Yeah. Uh, and dude, it's I'm telling you, it's like my favorite stuff in there, dude. That's crazy. Uh, I'll I'll hook you up with some stuff, man. You if you want, you can play with it, man, and make some yeah, sausage. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Because uh, yeah, there's plenty of it, dude. Uh, and yeah, I'd I'd really be interested to see what you came up with, man. Uh, and especially, dude, I what I really really like is taking aspects of stuff that a critter's eating. Ah, uh, yeah. With the preparation, yeah. right? Yeah. You know so. Uh, I mean, and you you can process white oak acorns. It's like you gotta like oh really? You gotta leach the tannins out of them. So you just like f- keep flushing them with water because they're yeah. bitter at first. Uh-huh. But once you get that out, man, you can roast them. They taste like chestnuts or something. I did not know you could eat acorns, or maybe I did. I just didn't know the process. I mean, if you just picked one up and ate it, it would it taste would be like gross. Crap, yeah, but, uh, yeah. If you leach it and it'd be kind of cool to make a bear sausage with blueberries in it. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like or, a blueberry breakfast sausage. Uh, dried blueberries and snow goose actually make like a really Ooh. wonderful summer sausage. Oh, wow. Um, so you've pretty much eaten almost everything at this point, huh? I've eaten a lot of stuff. I mean, haha, uh, ha, beavers. Beavers actually really, really good. Yeah. I like getting uh, one or two of those Are those here. greasy? No. Oh. No, no. It's like they're completely vegetarian, man. It's, it's like grass-fed beef. Oh. Yeah, so they're pretty lean. Coons. Yeah. I've eaten plenty of coons, uh, lots of birds and stuff. What's coon like? Uh, I'd say similar to bear. Okay. Uh, if you get a – now, most of the time when you're uh, – if you're hunting a bear, if you're hunting a bear in the wintertime, they're ruts like in June. So you're just dealing with an animal that's like not – doesn't have extra testosterone. It's just eating, right, yeah. if you kill a boar. Uh-huh. When you're catching, killing coons, it's in the winter, right? They rut in January. So you like if you kill a big old boar coon, like this dude's just hyped up. I feel like his glandular activity is a little more intense. So there can, uh, I feel like there can be a bit more of a wild taste depending on the, like you know if it's a male or a female coon. Mm. Uh, I mean it's perfectly good, and yeah. I've cooked it plenty, but. Uh, you know, if it, if you put like coon, deer, and bear in me, I'd be like, in front of me, I'd be like bear, deer, meat, coon meat. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and I, I'm trying to think, nothing else really. Cra- I mean, you know, 
catfish, buffalo fish, carp. Yeah. But nothing, nothing, uh, nothing crazy. Yeah, I mean, I haven't eaten a possum yet. Right. We haven't had to. Yeah, and the, <laughs> dude, every time I've skinned a possum, they've been so full of tapeworms. Yeah. I'm just like, man, I ain't got to do this, yeah. man. But, um, yeah, dude, and then lots of... Squirrel. Oh, yeah, squirrels for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, I'm, I eat a lot of, uh, like, hearts and liver and gizzards and yeah. uh, All like the squirrel hearts and stuff yeah. I would do. Uh, not... Bird livers I'll do. I'm not really big on like ungulate livers, like uh. you know, like deer and stuff. Pig liver. I used all to right. eat deer liver when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. It dude, it's pretty strong tasting. Yeah, I love liver though. Oh really? Yeah. Oh dude, I could hook you up if you want to, man. I'll give you those livers, dude. Uh, I've you know I've some testicles. I've eaten some testicles out of different. Critters. Deer kind of freaks me out. Well, it freaks my wife out more than anything else. But with the idea of eating deer. Yeah, yeah. What? How so? Uh, I don't. Just unfamiliar? Just, I'm sure, unfamiliar. and She assumes that it's going to be gamey before she eats it. I don't know. We're just not wild game people at this point. Yeah, man, I'll hook you up with, like, some uh, well easy to slide into stuff. Do you know Charlie Porter? Friend of mine. He's a deer no. hunter, too. But he has given us, that, that like, that venison summer sausage. Yeah. That's the easiest thing to get people into. Sure. Gus like that when he was a kid. But see, and that's probably, that's probably, is he making that himself or is he taking it to the process? Oh, he's taking it to the process. Yeah, dude. You can get way, way, way better. Oh, really? Oh, dude. I mean, that's like, not to put anybody down, man, but that, that's like the Walmart of I kind of figured thing, right? that. I mean, my assumption is you're not getting your deer. I think a lot of times, I think a lot of times that could be true. I think a lot of times, especially they, the sausage stuff. Yeah, I they get say. a ton of critters in. They, they say, okay, this, this thing weighed. 100 pounds, that means it should yield 56 pounds. And I think they're kind of grinding in common sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, man, like if if you've got the animal that you found or you went out and got right and you know how it was processed, you know how it was taken care of, and you work through the steps, I mean, you can have something as good as as good quality as any restaurant in, in the yeah. world could produce. Yeah. Uh, and you, man, you don't even have to be that creative to, or or that smart to do cool stuff. Like uh, I've been I, I've been taking a or I took some like the rosacks out of catfish I caught this summer. Oh wow! Right, and then just packing them in salt, just like curing them in the fridge, yeah. and then smoking them, going and getting the oak branches that fell down in my yard and smoking them with oak wood. Mm-hmm. Right, and then you can just like take that and run it over a microplane and. You know, so uh, fry some fry some taters in some of that some of that wild boar fat, and then you know grate that stuff on top. So then like, that that almost becomes like parmesan. It's like a cured egg yolk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you can do it different. Like I did mine real dry, mm-hmm. so it's like hard. And mm-hmm. If you just try to break it up, it would be crumbly. But mm-hmm. so you got to get it fine. But yeah, you could have it do it to where it was a little because like a cured egg yolk is often almost like. Like cheese consist Parmesan cheese yep. consistency. Yep. This stuff that I've got is even harder than that. Uh, but you can decide how you want it. Where or, you want it. Or yeah. there's a, what's that, what's it called when you cure those? It's like if you cured mullets, Rosacks in Italy are called like. A, oh, I can't remember, but I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And, and they'll cure that often like in a softer kind of cure and then slice it up and toss it with pasta. Ah. But man, it's just crazy real, Italian. It's just yeah. It's just like salty and briny and yeah, yeah. 
you know, especially if you pair it with something bright like some lemon juice and, uh, you know, like some sort of fresh kind of mild herb. It's cool, dude. And then, you know, you got the little floral from the pig or whatever. Or, dude, now that was something to be into is, you know, bear fat's a real thing. You right. render that bear fat down, fry stuff in bear fat. You can use them to make biscuits. Uh, bear cracklings. Like, I've done yeah. all that stuff, dude. They're good. And it's bear fat tastes just like pork fat. Oh. A, a bear tastes like a, a pig and, a, and a, a deer had a baby. Oh, wow. It's like red meat. Felt like the best thing to make on was like asabuco or something. Like uh-huh. I save all the shanks, cross cut them. It's got to be huge though. Uh, no, it depends. Okay, like a, a size of the bear, dude. An average size female bear in Arkansas is like 125 pounds. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, there are bears that are like 800 pounds, like in North Carolina or something. But you know, a massive, a massive, you know, once in a lifetime. Uh, kind of bear might be 500 pounds in mm. Arkansas. But mm. most of the time, you're going to... They're smaller You're probably going to kill a bear that's sub 200 pounds. Huh. You know, it's just like chopping up a person, man. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so as far as... We'll wrap this up here in a second, but what... You were telling me that you'd only played a couple shows since COVID and all that hit. And, yeah. And uh, then you've gotten back into it recently. What are What's your plan with that? Uh, I don't really have a plan. I think I'm... I'm opening for James McMurtry. Oh, are you really? Yeah. Dude, James McMurtry is the truth. The shit, dude. The son of Larry McMurtry. Speaking of a grouchy motherfucker. Is he? Well, I've heard. I've never talked to him. I know that my buddy Brent down Denton is buddies with him. And Brent was trying to get out of playing music and writing songs. And James was like, you can't do that. You know, just fucking scolded him. But so apparently he's a no-nonsense kind of guy, I should say. Is what I've heard. Amazing songwriter, dude. Really good. Father, so, uh, in case folks don't know, his dad is Larry McMurtry, who wrote Lonesome, Lonesome Dove. Dove. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, yesterday, like literally yesterday, I was told you I was coming back from Oklahoma. Yeah. So I've been in, I've been on the Chickasaw Indian Reservation. Okay. Interview, like I stayed at this dude's house. He's a Chickasaw linguist, and uh, like duck hunter, and he like carves duck decoys and Dang, stuff. Dang man. And so we were like, I did a podcast with him, and we were hunting, and. Like, you know, we're down in his basement doing the recording, like, all his records. You know, he's got, like, Sturgill Simpson and, like, Wilco stuff, right? And I was like, oh, dude, like, I can tell what you're into, right? Like, I was like, I bet you'd be into this dude I'm recording tomorrow, man, Kevin Kirby. And so we're, like, driving to go duck hunting, and I'm, like, playing some of your stuff on Spotify. And then I said something about James McMurtry, and I was like, because Chickasaw Reservation is uh, – West, like the eastern side of the Chickasaw Reservation, hits the western side of the Choctaw Reservation. Okay. And so I'm telling them about that Choctaw Bingo song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, which is oh, and we're driving around and there's all these, uh, you know, these Bodark trees. Right. And so I'm like Bodark Choctaw. I was like, oh, dude, there's this line in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This James McMurtry song, but dude, that's a dude, that's a feather in the cap kind of. Yeah. Dude. So Gus and I have opened for him before. Oh, really? And we didn't get to meet him. It was at. Stickies and you know the yeah, sound yeah, there yeah. is a little bit. Uh, and Gus was little and nervous and because you, you used know. to play shows with your boy, yeah, you yeah, play fiddle yeah. and you play guitar. That's right. And uh, yeah, so playing with him again. But you know, Mulehead's playing uh, Holiday Hangout. Other than that, man, I don't, I don't really have a plan. I mean, I just wanted to. Reason I played, I'm. What the pandemic has taught me is that none of this shit matters. Sure. It 
none of it matters. I don't have to play shows. Like I was telling you before, I still like like writing songs is the part of it I enjoy. Now, if I write a song and it just goes away, I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of what I'm doing now. Like when I get into a, a period where I'm writing a lot, it's just like I'll write it, record it on my phone, and just forget it, and then just start stacking them back up. But uh, yeah, so that's what it taught me is it doesn't really matter. And then I realized that oh man, I have a bunch of these new songs. It'd be fun to go play them at the Whitewater. Yeah. So that's why I did that, and I picked a Wednesday night. So it wasn't, like, interfering with my weekend mm-hmm. and, you know, charged five bucks because they've been charging ten bucks at least for all the shows. Ten bucks is the new five bucks. Is it really? Dude, I've been out of the game so long. Ten yeah. bucks to get ten in? Ten bucks, yeah. Shit, dude. Isn't that crazy? Dude, yeah, that's wild. They used to complain about five, man. I bet no, they really don't like paying ten. I know. Uh, but, you know, and it's just a bunch of new ca- Like anything. I mean, I've been through so many crowds. The the, of, the of, folks of showing people. up there to uh, the folks showing up there to drink beer, like legit weren't alive when you started yeah, playing shows. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's true, and and you're not even exaggerating. No, like really, it's man. Truth. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, and and it's funny because you know, these kids that there's always going to be kids that are totally into it, and then I'm not. It's going to sound like I'm bragging, but it's just kind of like there's going to be dudes that discover what I do. Sure. You know, and that's pretty cool, but it's also kind of weird, you know, um, that I've, Mulehead has had played for so long, like we would notice like, all right, well, we've worked through this crowd. Now there's a different crowd yeah, coming yeah, to see yeah. us. Now there's another crowd coming to see us, you know, and they, they would get progressively younger, then get older and start having kids and wouldn't yeah, come out stop as showing much. Up, yeah, 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 exactly. But... Yeah, so as far as a plan, I don't I don't really have one except just keep keep writing as good of songs as I can. That's about it. Just keep the old the old noggin lubed up. What about painting? Are you, are you still yeah, painting a bunch? Not a bunch, but you know, I'll do it like my sister likes uh, likes my my art, so I'll do stuff for her and then I was doing like I was doing like a series of Texas water towers. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. That man. was pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I paint when I want to. I made a giant corn dog cutout, painted it. I got some Kevin Kirby stuff in my yeah, house. Yeah, you do. Oh man, shit! I should have brought those cardboard ones that I said I was going to give you a long time ago. Anyway, uh, it'll work, man. One it day. will. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I do that still. Uh, Sit up, you know, I, I kind of have an attic room where I can kind of do all that. So I sit up there and contemplate. You know what I really think is, uh, or what I'm taking from this is, I, I think, you know, we're just, we're conditioned that the idea of success is like tied to fame, right? Sure. And so... You know, you've had, whatever, man, you've had, like, some brushes or, like, oh, like it looks like this is about to happen, right? Or we're going to Europe to record right. a record and toured and played with people and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it, I used to think it was, like, resignation, uh, the ability that someone would have 
to to not tie their idea of success with notoriety, mm. right? Like I thought it was just someone being like, "Oh, it I ne- it didn't work out, so uh, so I'm I'm gonna readjust and yeah, call it this. Yeah. I'm above all. I get of it, that. Right? I get that. Yeah, uh, to retrofit the reasons that it's not working. For sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, dude, honestly, Kirby, dude, like that's what I'm struck by. I was like. You sound so successful to me, hmm. man. Uh, you know what I've realized? Like, I realized this when I was at the, you know, uh, <laughs> my ill-fated stint at the fire department. Oh, right? yeah. I forgot <laughs> about that. We talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Ended up in the newspaper. But uh, I remember, get, you know, that's like, that's really like a very uh, traditional job, right? Yeah. And so when I got that job, I remember telling, like, sa- telling somebody, that like, dude, I've never had a, I've never had the same job for longer than a year in my entire life. I was like 32, right? Wow. And they were like, what? And I realized that to them, to them from their perspective, that was, that was like failure, right? Yeah. And but I look at it as a strength, right? Like, dude, I've like done all this stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, I've yeah. Seen, I've been right. all these yeah. like weird places. Like, no, nah, man, I never got. You know, I never got like famous from playing songs or whatever, but right. uh, like I sold some records in Australia when it was still hard to do that, right? Or like I played, I played, uh, I played a couple shows in front of five hundred people, and like maybe four hundred of them weren't repulsed by it, right? You know, uh, or like there's a. Uh, now it's weird, man, because there's people that are like in their mid thirties. That, uh, and I've been out of like playing shows and stuff for a long time. But there's people that are nostalgic, like songs that I wrote. Yeah. Whatever. When I was when I was like 18 and rolling up <laughs> drum cigarettes and just like yeah yeah oh, yeah. I just want to kiss this girl underneath the the lamplight, right? Uh, Back when you had the dreads, oh yeah, this, yeah. They, uh, they called it sideshow bob hair. You know? Like my first write up in Little Rock, they said the Whitewater Door guy with the sideshow bob hair is playing his record release. That's terrible, uh, dude. It was a pretty fair description. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, there's like, like there are uh, there are touchstones for people, right? Yeah. Uh, that's not failure. Like that. That's actually contributing something to the fabric of, uh, maybe saying society, but like it just, well, you just contribute something to, to somebody's world, somebody's existence, right? Well, it's not yeah. a TPS yeah, report. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No, you're not wrong about that. Like by the larger picture, or maybe I'm saying this wrong, but I mean, like by industry standards, I'm not a success, but. By a smaller standard, I am. I I got to do a lot of shit that nobody gets to do. Yeah, dude. That you know what? That was the thought that I was having when I was when I started talking about like talking to do the fire department about not having the job. Uh, you know that actually ends up being a rare thing. Like it does. You you weren't a rock star, but you had moments where you knew what it felt like. Yeah, yeah. You know what I absolutely. mean? Absolutely. And that that's uh. Obviously, that's not the ultimate validation, but it was cool, man. But I also got to see how what a ridiculous industry that was. Yeah, yeah. You know? In in many ways, very similar to, uh, and I, I can only speak to like 
whatever the music industry was, you know, 10 years ago. But it, uh, I felt like it was a good, it ended up being a good training ground for like the quote unquote outdoor hunting industry. Hmm. Cause that's an industry that, that works a lot off of, uh, pain with quote-unquote exposure oh yeah uh, or like kind of the same thing gear yeah Yeah. or like the potential to make a name for yourself you know and it's like like a handful of entities that could just like spit you each up and spit you out or whatever yeah yeah uh and yeah i've i've maintained kind of a contrarian streak that's good uh within it you know well you know what helps uh, on the on the music side of it is you were talking about the it used to be that you had to get signed to get into a studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you don't. Yeah, you can Everybody's just do Everybody's got it. a studio on their computer, on their phone. Yeah, even. Garage Band on your iPhone's better than. Yeah. Uh, f- I mean, four tracks. Yeah. I mean, I would probably feel if I were an engineer or something, I'd be like, Psh, come on, sure. Because I kind of feel that way about digital photography versus film. But sure, it's like sure. when you start talking about that, you sound like an asshole. Yeah. But it's the same idea, you know. Like, these guys went through a bunch of shit to learn to do what they're doing, and then here's this machine that just does it for you. You still have to be good. I mean, you still have to be... The songs still have to be good, uh, as they always have. But I... And and again, I mean, like you said, I mean, nobody buys physical copies of shit anymore. I mean, I spend a bunch of money at Control down here, the vinyl, the store, vinyl yeah. store. But that's more like... That's just funsies, you know? Like, oh, I remember this record. I had it when I was a kid. And then my kids like to go there and buy stuff. Best, I don't know how much money I've spent on records for her room that she just puts on the wall. It's like, you're not going to listen to it? She said, no, it's on my phone. That's where I listen to everything. Damn. All right. You like it, I love it, I guess. Dude, yeah, that's a... What kind of records are you buying for Oh, Taylor Swift mostly. Oh, really? They yeah. still they put that stuff out on vinyl? Oh, yeah. Oh, vinyl's huge now, man. Everybody's putting stuff out on vinyl right now. It's kind of the kind of the number 1, I would assume. It's like a niche market, you know. You can make like a deluxe like gatefold and colored vinyl and booklets and stuff. I mean, Wilco just re-released <laughs> Yankee Hotel Foxtrot uh 11 LPs, a huge book. $250. And I almost bought it. And then my wife's like, what if... Yeah, this is why you got to go to business what if it's school, not good? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you want to sell Frankfurters, man, you got to take your butt to business school. And then, you know, I went down there talking to Wes that owns it. He's like, you know, there's like a 2LP $35 version of that, and it's just the record. You already know the record's good. Yeah, yeah. Like, those 11 LPs probably would be a bunch of demo versions of shit. Over and over again. Sure. Like, that's a good point. Thanks for talking me off the ledge, everybody. Do you think you'll, will, will you make another record? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the plan. Uh, you know, Jeff, my drummer, Jeff, that also played guitar and battery, uh, plays drums in Mulehead. His, it's his studio that I record at, and he wants to make another record with me, but, uh, you know, everybody's life is so busy right now. Sulak, you know Sulak? Yeah, yeah. Sulak is making a record with 50 songs on it. Is he so really? Jeff's in the middle of that. And I was like, boy, you stepped in that one. Dude, buddy. that's some Sulak stuff to yeah, do. Yeah, it man. is, right? I, dude, that's, okay, that's kind of what I'm talking about, man. Uh, 
The world needs Sulex, dude. Absolutely. You know, like like legit. And look, this is super esoteric if you aren't from Little Rock. Hell, if you aren't from Little Rock and you aren't probably over 35, <laughs> you might not yeah, know who yeah, yeah, Sulek yeah. is. But, like, dude, Sulek. Sulek used to be the kid, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He was younger than all of us. And he just kept at it and kept at it and kept at it. And he kept it real, man. Like He, he does not care whether you like it or not. He's going to keep doing it. He just had an art show last uh, Saturday down at Gallery 26. And he showed me a picture of it. It's just wall-to-wall stuff. He married. He got remarried, and his wife is, like, helping him get his stuff out there on the Internet and, like, making uh, like enamel pins of his artwork and stuff. So I mean, he's he's Dude, in the right place. That's the that's the common thread, man. Like, yeah. there's look honestly, there's a million, there's a million uh, artistic dudes with potential. Sure, <laughs> a lot of them that are successful, like luck into finding the right lady. Yeah, and they're like, you know, let's uh, do something with all this bullshit. Dude, I've done a lot. I've I have squandered. Most of the opportunities in my life. Yeah. Like, I've been with Marianne for we, it's so been 16 a, years. There's that self-destruction again. Dude, yeah. But uh, November 7th, it was 16 years Marianne and I have been together. Wow. And, like, that is absolutely the the peak of the, like, the, <laughs> it's, it's like I didn't screw that up in spite of myself. Yeah. Or, or probably most, not in spite of myself, just because, like, whatever because of her yeah but like yeah that's a thing i mean like your wife's had like a good stable job right yep gave you some room to you, you had some a longer Jeez. leash than you would have yep. had yep uh well good for sulek man uh i don't know i bet if you gulak or if you google sulek you could probably find you it. could find sulek. sulek art stuff is his instagram okay yeah, yeah. check that out sulek i've got some sulek stuff hanging me in the too house, man yep uh well shit yeah man i hope you do make another record man and uh well that's the plan i just don't know when it's like I told him. I'm like, I, I'm not in any hurry to make a record that nobody wants to hear. Yeah, but or I don't know, man. I think if you got a record in you, you should make yeah, the record. Yeah, well, of course I'm going to. I mean, it's fun. I like designing the cover and all that kind of shit, you know. But I don't know if I want to just have another box of CDs at my house sitting there. <laughs> Dude, I, I looked up couple weeks ago i looked up like how much it would cost to get like 200 records pressed it ain't cheap man no uh no in fact uh max the label that puts out my records like we were prepared to do a vinyl mm -hmm. and then he looked at he started like going to it and looking it up and he's like uh we we can't do vinyl. We're gonna oh, have to do CD. Dude, he got that architecture money, man. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, but he's also got three kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything can't be a passion project. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, he's got to make some money off something. Dude, yeah, I say, man, make the record. Uh, I do think that in the next whatever little bit, I'll make a record. And I don't think that anyone will listen to it. Uh, Tell you what I'd love to do is... Uh, so, do you know that guy Pete from the Water Liars? Justin Peter Kinkleschuster? Fucking great dude. He lives up in Fayetteville. That, that's the uh, guitar player dude? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Glasses, yeah. Yeah, good buddies with Matt. But he, he's offered, he's like, you need to come up here? He's got like a studio in his house. Studio. But it's like a, a 
cassette studio, but like a big like board and stuff, like like reel to reel and stuff. No, no, like cassette. Oh, so like this is you know '80s technology. So apparently, you buy a nice enough tape, you can still find it out there. And he made a record, and he made I don't know twelve songs, bought twelve separate like super nice cassettes it's crazy the way he's doing it because you think about a four track it's noisy and it's not great yeah but his record sounds amazing that's how they they did it for a while cassette was like the thing i mean i guess it was like a home demo thing but that like anything else there's tricks to and it, it, to make it sound good his record he did it, his record in his studio and it sounds really great dude i've thought about this for years man would you would you ever uh so I feel like the house show is like doesn't really exist anymore. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think it's as big it, a thing. It's not. It was kind of the deal for a while. I mean, Dave Bazan was doing it, Will Johnson, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mar- I've played a few of them, dude. I love. I'd always ever since I built the place, man. I've always wanted to have you up at uh, the lodge to do like a house show, dude. Where is the lodge? Brinkley. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like on the 80, way to Memphis. Yeah, 80 miles away. Yeah, man. I'd love to do that. Dude, that'd be fun, dude. Yeah. Uh, we'll fit. We'll figure something out because I would really love to make that happen, man. I think that uh, we've had this big rambling conversation. Uh, you got a bunch of records on Spotify. Yeah. Uh, so it would be Kevin Kirby. Mm-hmm. And then Mulehead. Kirby, Kirby with an E. Yep. Mulehead. Uh, is Battery on there? Yeah, but that'll that'll be under Kevin Kirby. Okay, Kevin, Kevin, Kirby, Kevin and Kirby and Battery. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff out there. There's uh, the I don't know if you ever heard that Mulehead record. I was going through because I played yesterday. That's why we didn't get together yesterday. But I played it in the Heights, and I was going. Man, I haven't played in so long. I can't even remember my song. So I was going through Spotify, and it, I forgot that Mulehead made a, a recording of their last show and put out a live record. Just on Spotify. Yeah. Called Alkafied. But it's pretty good. When was it? When did you record that? I don't know. Like the year we broke up the first time. What year is it now? I don't know. Let's look it up. But I forgot about it. I mean, there's all this stuff on there. It's like you say, you know, you do stuff so long ago, you just, you forget. Like Matt White was like quoting some lyrics from a song. That I thought I'd never recorded is like this dude listens, but it's on. It's on one of my records that I forgot about. <laughs> dude, you know I actually, uh, <laughs> I uh, I hollered at so uh, Thick Syrup Records. Oh, Travis. Uh, yeah, yeah, Travis uh, McElroy. Thick Syrup had put out my records. Two thousand six is when that record oh, came God, out. Oh, good God, yeah, that's a long time. That's ago. a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, man, I called McElroy like a. Maybe like a year ago, and I was like, hey, man, because uh, I had like solo records and I had like reparations records and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, I was like, I think I just don't want them on. I don't want them floating around on the Internet. Like, I like the fact that it's something that happened and like there are maybe, you know, there's probably less than a thousand people that maybe still you in know. the bottom of some drawer have a CD. And just kind of let it exist like that. I love that feeling. I and, love that. Unless it needs to exist. Like, there, man, there's a few songs I, I would, there's, I don't know, there's probably 10 or 15 songs out of those I would still play if I, yeah. ever, if I ever played a show for somebody. But uh, 
I, I like the I like the yearbook uh, kind of idea of it. Yeah. You know, like that. That's a that's a moment. That was the best I could do. When that's I did what it, it was. That's my f- senior photo. That's yeah. my photo from that year. Yeah. And then and then I and then I peace out. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't want to get into like a lot of people ask me like, I mean, how did you get into doing this? And it's you know like cooking coons is directly linked to playing guitar because I for I don't know from eighteen to twenty nine or thirty like. Not 18, probably 16 to about 30. Only thing I cared about was writing songs and playing and, like, you know, trying to, trying to get, trying to get to on some, stage. Yeah, trying to get to some point, some imagined point, real or imagined. Uh, and to do that, that meant I had to work jobs that I could quit or would uh-huh. let me off. And uh-huh. so that was, I worked in restaurants and I did construction. That's right. Right? And, like, those two things, working in restaurants, and doing construction have influenced everything that's ever happened in yep, my yep, a, yep, entire adult yep, life. Yep. I remember my first job at Brahms. I just remember thinking, I got to get out of this industry. That was, I was 16. Yeah. You know, and I've been trying to get out of it ever since. But, you know, I finally have just surrendered to where it's like, it's not really that bad. No, man. Learned it, how to do stuff. And if you're doing stuff that you, that that you, you find think is cool is cool dude and i mean if we're being real like uh cooking has some social gravitas uh-huh uh it's kind of the same feeling when you give somebody a taste of something that you've made and they're they're like oh my god you know it's the same feeling as if when you play a song that somebody likes dude it's wrecking all of that shit and i've said this before all of that stuff cooking food writing songs you know uh Holding court at a bar after yep. the bar's closed, yep. right? Yep. yep. Right. I've seen you like, I've seen you running the the, the you know, you're you're pulling the strings on something like that before. That's ultimately, man. All of that shit is storytelling, right? Yeah. And so there is this. If you're telling stories, there's this validation you're seeking that someone is under. Because you're really trying to get someone to understand you on some level. Oh right? wow, yeah. And so if you can. Uh, if you can make something and it's not just they like the taste, but like they get a little, uh-huh. they get what you're, what you're stepping in, right? That's what you're right. stepping yep, in. Yep. It's the same thing, dude. So it's validating in the same way. Absolutely. And I think it sticks with people the same way. Smells like, I was talking about like granny's biscuits. They transport you to something. Mel- oh. Melodies do the same yep. thing, yep. man. You know, uh, uh, yeah. someone's mannerisms you know what's so funny is is i talk about this all the time like the thing i like about music is this feeling that i can't define and i can't feel it anymore it's like the first time you hear i always use seven seconds like that drum sound mm-hmm. you know or or like the first time i heard a ray charles record that my dad had or uh, uh or you know, Merle Haggard, whatever it is, like that first time you, you hear something that touches you, you know, and, and then it's a lifetime of chasing that shit. And you find it, and you sometimes you see it out of the corner of your eye, and as soon as you turn, it's gone. It's the same thing with food. It's the same thing with, I, 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 I don't know, maybe it's all just um, uh you're just being sappy. You just want, you know. You, 
Hmm. You want that. You're chasing that first feeling. Dude, I, I think you're chasing contentment, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like my life has been de- defined largely by being discontent. Uh. And then there's these moments, right? Uh. It's when you work out a song and you're like, oh, that's right, right? Yeah. Or you play it to people and you see the collective. Uh-huh. You know, like there's a way that like a group of people that are engaged in it, like they move collectively, right? And you get this moment of satisfaction and together, yeah. feeling content, yep. uh, or like that you are able to you are able to elicit the response or the the taste or something you were looking for out of a meal you prepared. Yeah, yeah. you get that. It's that little bit of you can kind of like yeah. let the breath out. I feel like I'm always holding my breath, and every once in a while, it's what brought me into like hunting and stuff, man. Is there are, there's a lot of moments when you get to let your breath out mm. and you just, you just get to be for a minute. And it mm. feels like an incredibly uh, authentic mm. moment, right? Mm-hmm. And then you, then you fall back into all the other stuff, right? But, uh, yeah, I mean, I really would say ultimately all of that stuff is storytelling. And it's... Uh, that's, that's, that's a pretty good way of putting it. The desire that. to be recognized as, as a good storyteller. Pretty good way to put that. Yep. And, and dude, straight up, man, Kevin Kirby is one of the best storytellers I've ever encountered. Uh, wonderful songwriter. Uh, accomplished sausage maker. <laughs> and uh, still, I, still working on it, yeah. I, and I, I still stand by the fact that I say the poet, poet laureate of a... Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, which I mean, what a thing to say, especially when you don't co- a place as insular and uh, dare I say incestuous as Little Rock, yeah, Arkansas. Yeah, uh, to come from somebody else and to and to to kind of be able to hold that moniker for I don't know, man, you know, a couple decades, really, dude. Uh, I mean, that's saying something, dude. And man, like you've raised cool kids. Yeah. Raised accomplished kids, man. You've like. I've had a lot of help with that, dude. You've been married for thirty years, thirty man, years, like, yeah. dude. Sounds successful to me, Kirby. Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, really, dude. Please check out uh, Kirby's music. Uh, my absolute favorite song is uh, "This Town Smells Like Paper Mills and Broken Wheels." Everything on that record is really good. It's uh, a pretty good one. The Secret Life of All Night Radios is a really good record. Uh, Man, what's the name of that, that, like, after you made those records, you did that? It's, like, mostly acoustic uh, record. It's, like, the first Apostles one. Apostles' Tongues, yeah. Yeah, the first one that uh, Gus, Gus played, played on. Gus yeah, he was, yeah, like, yeah. 10 years old. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Todd Bean plays on that, too. Dude, plays really? Still, yeah. I've talked to him a couple times <clears throat> because, of, like, hunting, he's, like, yeah. come across me. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, he plays that Chuck Reagan yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Chuck Reagan is, uh, is actually, he's, like, a musician and then... When he's not touring, he's a professional fly fishing guy. I did not know that. Yeah, he was just like on some, uh, do you know what, was it Orvis? No, do you know what Filson is? Filson is this like outdoor, this old outdoor brand. It's like, have you ever seen like wax, like wax jackets sure, yeah. and like tin pants and stuff? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. It's like kind of like. Like old school. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, like high end and stuff. He was, Chuck Reagan was just like in this little, this not little, the a campaign for Filson or something like oh, wow. a year ago or something. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've, I talked to Todd not too long ago. Fantastic still guitar player. Yeah. He's still doing it, ain't he? Great dude. Yeah, he's still touring. He puts up pictures. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so check Kirby out. You got a website anymore? No. What's your Instagram? Uh, Pulaski Daddy. 
Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great title. Uh, or you can come see if you're in Little Rock. Come see. Come Kirby. get a sandwich. Yeah. Come get some sausages. You can come get the the Kevin Kirby. That's right. He's got his own I'll, sandwich named after. I'll cut you a big thick steak too. There you go. And yeah, I'll definitely do it. I'm gonna hook you up with some uh, some wild game, dude. Sweet. Uh, hey, thanks everybody for listening. Until next time. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening all the way through to this most recent episode of the Black Duck Revival podcast. As always, it's produced and brought to you by me, Jonathan Wilkins, and Brian Sachs. If you want to keep up with what I've got going on and what I'm doing, my hunting travels, the cooking, the writing, whatnot, uh, you can do that over on the website, which is blackduckrevival.com. And or the Instagram page, that handle is just Black Duck Revival. I've got one spot left on that New Year's Eve hunt experience. Uh, we'll be chasing geese, uh, cooking really good food, and uh, hopefully learning some stuff, hanging out with some really cool people. So if you're interested in that, you can uh, hit me up on Instagram or uh, better yet, shoot me an email at blackduckrevival at gmail and we can get all that stuff worked out. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, please continue to tell people about it, share it with your friends, uh, maybe even occasionally post about it on social media. If you have not done so, please uh, head on over to Apple uh, Podcast and leave us a five-star review, hopefully, uh, or a written review. That helps tremendously. It helps get us in the algorithm, and uh, it just kind of is like a legitimizing thing so that when people do come across the podcast, they see that we have a listenership who... Uh, is into what we're doing. So uh, thank you in advance for all of that. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then. <laughs>